Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. Welcome to this terrific Tuesday morning of Daybreak Devotions. Thank you for joining us here from the McLeansville Baptist Church with this this day's radio broadcast. And, well, this is your host, hostess? No, ho- no you're your, not your a hostess. Host you're and host. co-host, yeah. Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. Good to be here. And we're joined today, as occasionally we are, by one of the men of our church, Dr. Dean Carmichael. It's good to be here. Thank Dr. you for Dr. Dean having Carmichael me. Jr. Yes. I don't want to get confused with your father. No, no, please don't. Please yeah, don't. Because, you know, that, that would be an easy thing to do. He's the brains of the organization. <laughs> <laughs> well, and as we learned on another occasion today, you are in phenomenal shape. See, so you must see, be the bronze. This, <laughs> you know, I just, it's, it's great to be here. I, I have no comment to that. Well, jab. let me let you make a comment. I was watching you as our opening intro. This is the first time you've heard. <laughs> Don't put uh, me on the spot. You, you've never heard the new Daybreak de- Devotion format, have you? Because it's at 630 in the morning, and you're either usually driving to work, working out, or getting ready to go to work or something, yes, right? Yes, I'm, so, I'm in my morning preparations at that point. Yes, you're, you're with the Lord, and we weren't invited at 630. It was the rooster that got me. I wanted to ask you, how'd you like it? How how big did my eyes get when that rooster came I around? don't think they got big. I think they got small. I think there was a little bit of a squint, almost a tear. It was probably a tear forming. It might have been from the, the level of decibels, decibels <laughs> that came in my ears. Well, so. you got those new headphones on yeah. as you join us today. Yes, I do. Well, thanks again. Hey, thanks, thanks for being here, Dean, and uh, joining us in the discussion today. We started yesterday by uh, Brother Corey's leadership uh, and desire, kind of looking at the life of David, and we're going to walk through that over the next days, maybe a couple of weeks. I don't know how long, but... I think yesterday we were in 1 Samuel 15, and you were talking about how Saul failed to obey God's orders to destroy Amalek. And and I think it would be worth taking a minute or two just to recap. One of your major points in that was, or I'll ask it this way, why you felt that Saul did not destroy all of the Amalekites and why he seemed to think that was a good thing. Yeah, I mean, we kind of left off. Saul, Saul kind of displays what so many of us do because he kept the good parts of Amalek. He kept the king of Amalek, uh, the, the, rather the king of the Amalekites, um, Agag. He spared him almost like a trophy, you know, a, a conquest. He kept all the, the goodly sheep, the fat calves, and all that kind of stuff to offer as a sacrifice to God. And, and so you kind of see him hiding behind religion a little bit because what it all boiled down to was Saul was more than willing to kill the vile and the refuse and the disgusting and, you know, the, the wicked and the, the useless parts of the Amalekites. But the stuff that had perceived human value was the stuff that he was like, well, I mean, obviously, of course, God doesn't want me to destroy this because this would be useful for God. But the most useful thing that Saul could have done was do what God told him to do, which was to utterly destroy the Amalekites kill everything, woman, child, suckling, sheep, oxen, everything. And as we are looking and comparing that to the type of our flesh, we can do the exact same thing. We can kill and crucify and and cut off the, the vile, the wicked, you know, the obvious sins. 
But we don't like to cut away those things that to us look good or that make us look good, that we can put on display is, look, these are my good qualities. These are what bring attention to myself. I mean, God gave them to me, right? God, God made this in me, so let's keep this stuff because that's where we find our comfort level. And Saul displays what so many of us do as well, the, the unwillingness to fully yield and obey God completely in what it is that God is asking mankind to do. So we frame a, a form of religion uh, without the power thereof, mm-hmm. you know, to bring some New Testament into it. And just to give us an opening text of Scripture, in, in the end of chapter 15, or toward the end of it, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. And, and so that, there's that large point of, well, look what I'm doing for God. Look what I offered to God. Ananias and Sapphira brought in a portion of that thing, you yep. know, and, and, and you know what? The, the key is it would have been fine. The problem was that they were lying yep. about it. They were putting on airs. They were putting a face and a front, a mask on in front of everybody else thinking that they could fool God. And a lot of people are living that way today. But when God says, no, what I want is your heart. You're performing for me. My dear friend Matthew Jones, our dear friend Matthew Jones, I should say, uh, but he sent me a text this morning, and, and he was reading in Isaiah, and it's that verse in Isaiah 26, 13 or some, somewhere in there where Jesus quotes about how my people, you know, that they, they, they speak with me from their lips, but their heart is far from me. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was talking about and reflecting on, boy, that seems to be the condition of so many believers today. And, and that, that is true. Yeah, and when you, you look back at that story when Samuel confronts Saul, and he tells him, this is what God command, commanded you to do, what is Saul's response? Well, I did that. Yeah. And look, I got the king. You know, it's like he's, he's justifying himself. He's, he found a way to say, well, yeah, I did exactly what God told me to do, when in reality, it was it, the, the, the results are right there. I mean, he's contradicting himself. He's, yeah. he's lying but he was able to justify it in his heart. And how many of us do that same exact thing? What? We're, oh. living in, we're, we're living in open sin, but we're saying, well, I am obeying God. I am doing what he told me yep. to do. Yeah, we justify things, but we have to look at, you, you brought it out there, and what Jesus says, we look at the fruit. Mm-hmm. What fruit is this producing in our life? And, and look, I can't judge everybody's heart. Really, I can only see the outward fruit. I can't always know what's going on internally. And some people have so shut their heart out off to the Spirit or never known how to open their heart to the Spirit that they don't have a way of judging the fruit. They're just confused and puzzled. Well, why is my life like this? I mean, I go to church. I serve in the church. I'm faithful to church. I, I church, 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 church. And yet there's no, there's no Christ. Yes. There's no surrender. You know, again, picking up the text that I was reading, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Well, you could spend some time on that one. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. Now, I just want to say again, an important emphasis. 
How important is the Word of God? We don't get the right to make up the rules, okay? But now here's the problem with that. What are the rules? What is it God is ultimately after? Jesus said, the Father seeketh such to worship him. What such? Those who worship him with spirit and truth. It's not about, you know, the black and white. We've made so much of black and white, but the problem with making so much of black and white is the same thing the Pharisees did. You can look good on black and white paper. You can check all the boxes, and your heart still be far from God. Well, God wasn't going to continue with this, and Samuel knew that Saul wasn't right about this. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. You see, desperation. Now, I'll tell you something. We, we had this discussion, I think, maybe, whether on the air or off the air. The difference between the believer, the Christian who's following Christ, who's developing spiritual resilience in their life, and those who are just content to be saved and just come to church. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to get hit with the storm. Nobody's excluded. The difference you'll see, we're talking about fruit, is when the storm comes against those who are just content to be saved and just be in church, they wilt, they crumble. A lot of times they fall out. Yeah. They're gone. Those who have developed life with God, who have learned to walk with Jesus, those storms are going to come in their life too. They're not excluded, but the difference is they continue. They stay. Well, it's not only the storms, but also those times of of rebuke. You know, you think of Paul and Peter, for example, when Paul had to openly rebuke P- Peter. How did Peter respond to that? As a mature believer, he responded, I believe, the right way. But when you think of the individual who is content with being saved versus the individual who is a follower of Christ, that individual who's content being saved reacts the same way Saul did. When Saul was confronted by Samuel, first he tried justifying it, saying, well, I did. I did listen to God. And then when he had nowhere else to go, what did he do? Well, it was those people's fault. They're, they're the ones who told me to do it. So we begin to blame. Long story short, we're not good with conflict. I'm talking yeah. about healthy conflict. We're not good with it. We, we, we just either we go to one extreme or the other. We either blame others, we are argumentative, versus the mature believer who is a follower of Christ who takes time to be like, you know what, you're right. I, I did do wrong, and I'm going to fix that. It's the difference between vic- victory mindset and victim yes. mentality. Yep. So that brings us to the next chapter, mm-hmm. metaphorically, if also literally. Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. Now, I want to say, I want to share something. We talked about this last time after yesterday's broadcast. I wrote this down, oh, back in 2019, when I was looking at the this transition point in the scriptures between Saul and David, and I made a little chart of, of comparisons and contrast between Saul and David. God took this away from Saul, and he gave it to his neighbor, we know to be David, as we'll be introduced to in chapter 16. And here's what I wrote out about the difference between these two. With Saul, Saul was a big, tall, strong man. David youngest of his family, very small, the Bible tells us. Saul was what we might call a man's man, head and shoulders above everybody else. People looked at him, looked up to him. David was almost a literal interpretation of the description in chapter 16, was a mama's boy. I mean, people looked at him, and that's what they saw. Now, he, he wasn't what that 
is usually thought of, but that's what he looked like on the outside. Mm-hmm. Now, in the beginning, you had Saul, who was humble. Remember in 1 Samuel 15, Samuel says to him, in the beginning you thought of yourself as being small, and God chose you and God was using you. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you got a little big for your britches, as they say. Yep. You look at David in the beginning, again the youngest, but he was very humble, very humble heart before God. You look at Saul, Saul was dutiful. He did what was required and expected of him. He did his duty. You look at David, and he was diligent. He cared about the details of what he was doing, and very devoted to making sure it was done well. You look at Saul, and here was a man who come from privilege. His daddy was a rich rancher, a rich farmer, whatever he was exactly. Saul even had servants, so he comes from privilege. But you look at David, David was passionate because he came from hard scrabble, as they say. He lived a life out on the, the fringes in the wilderness, and, and, and it, it did something for him. It made a deeper connection in his heart with God through God's creation and, and a dependency upon God. You look at Saul, and people would support him because of how he looked. But you look at David, and people would love him for what he did. You look at Saul, and when he messed up, he was full of regret, and he feared losing his position. But when we think about David, when he messed up, he was full of sorrow and repentance, and he feared losing his place before God, the joy of his salvation. Big difference. Absolutely. You see, Saul was the result of a human plan initiated by men. But David was the result of a divine plan that began with God. Mm-hmm. Saul had all the physical aptitude, but David had what was more important, the spiritual attitude. He was, as the Scripture has said, 1 Samuel 13, 14, he was chosen by God because he was a man after God's own heart. I think you were about to make a point, uh, Dean, if you remember what it was before the song. Yeah, yeah, so I was going to make the point that when, when you mentioned what you did about how Samuel tells Saul that God has chosen someone else, keep in mind, everything, everything that we know, all of David's shortcomings, that was not a shock to God. That He still chose David knowing that David would do all of those things, but it's based on how David reacted to his failure. And it just goes back to how Saul reacted to his. Saul was more worried about his position and being in charge, whereas David was a humble man, and he was brokenhearted over his sin, and he truly repented. There was a lot of ego in Saul. Correct. And it came from, I think, a lot of insecurity in Saul. Yes. And, you know, because you go back to when they were supposed to crown him as king— and that, that wonderfully insightful text that says that he was hiding uh, among the stuff. You know, he was busying himself in other business and other things, which could have been, under normal circumstances, the right place for him to be. But now he's being called on, and he doesn't believe he's able to do it. And I think a lot of people in our, in our world, maybe in our church, maybe some of you, you think about people in your family, even our children, sometimes it could be, it could be the case with them. It's insecurity that leads them to be rebellious. Mm-hmm. What they need is someone to step into that early and, and try to help them mm-hmm. overcome that, to realize, no, you've been selected for this because we do believe in you. God believes in you. You're, you're God. I mean, Saul was God's choice at that time. It sounds to me it's, it's an awful lot like what Mordecai did for Esther. Esther had a lot of those same insecurities, and I can't do that. But that's the role Mordecai stepped into. You have been chosen and selected for the kingdom at such a time as this. Saul had those same insecurities. I genuinely believe that Samuel tried to step into that role. And in a lot of ways, 
he he was that role, but it's still ultimately up to each individual person to make the choices themselves. Saul started trying to throw rocks and blame everybody else, but ultimately the ball was in his court. Mm -hmm. He was responsible for his own actions, and to the point that you were making, Dean, about David, David had men in his life that spoke truth, that stepped into roles, yet he was still responsible for his courses of action, and when he chose the wrong thing, yeah, he well, dealt with it right. So we might as well go down the path. I mean, we got a wonderful Lord of the Rings analogy here. I mean, here you got Frodo, mm -hmm. right? He's got to carry the ring. And what did Sam say? Mr. Frodo, I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you. Yes. So he's surrounded by this fellowship mm -hmm. that helps him accomplish the task that he has been chosen for. Well, this is very true in David's life. All through his life, we're going to find he's got people that God puts there. You see, Saul didn't have it, and even when he did have it, he had a Samuel, but he didn't listen, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and referring to those people that you surround yourself around, I believe Saul was surrounded a lot by a lot of flatterers, flattering, yes. a lot of yes men. Because what happens is when you're not surrounded by men like Samuel and listen to them or like David surrounded by the right men— when those folks who flatter you and those yes men begin singing the song of, oh, and help me out here. Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. That's going to make you mad. Oh, now, yeah. if you're surrounded by the right individuals and you go to them and be like, hey, that's really bothering me, and they fire back with, hey, you don't worry about them. You worry about what, what, what God has told you and your obedience with him. And they bring you back to that place. That's what's important. Yeah, and have somebody even in the in, in the sense of like, let's say that that song started out as a mockery. All right, you need somebody to say, "Don't pay attention to that. You yep. focus." Let's say that song started out as not a mockery, but as a celebration. Like I, I think we usually read it as. What you need is somebody to say, "Hey, Saul, you're not understanding. This man, David, he's your captain. Right? Yeah. He, he reflects on you. His celebrated. Yeah, his success is your success. Yeah. Yeah. What is it, Ronald Reagan, who famously said, "It's amazing what can be accomplished when uh, we don't care who gets the credit." Something like that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, being how we're going to be drawing close to the end of today's broadcast, perhaps we could read from First Samuel 16 now and sort of uh, bring us up to speed with where we are. I think we can kind of get up to speed to the introduction of David, where. Chapter 16, verse 1, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And just real quick, you got to point out, do you think Samuel took some personal affront that Saul had been rejected? Because, I mean, Saul was almost Samuel's choice as well. And, and God tells God tells Samuel, look, quit mourning over Saul. It's, it's time to go. It's time to, to keep on moving. Get up. There's work to be done. So to summarize, Samuel shows up at Jesse's house. He's got his horn of oil. He's ready to anoint a new king, and he gets there. And I think it's important that we come to verse number 6 because Samuel almost falls into the exact same trap as what he did with Saul. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him because Eliab checked all the boxes. He looked the part. But the Lord speaks to Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And you see the realization that, that God is selecting Samuel, or rather, 
the Lord is sending Samuel to select someone that is the polar opposite of Saul. Somebody that is going to be what Saul was unable to be. A man after God's own heart. A man that is able to work and to live and to pursue God in a way, not that Saul couldn't, because Saul could have done it, but rather in a way that Saul wouldn't, and to make that choice. Yeah, well, so you you pointed something out, and, and just by reading those verses and looking at that chapter, how how Samuel, it's obvious that maybe there's a little, not favoritism towards Saul, but maybe there just wasn't enough level of discernment to be like, look, God has spoken. Yeah. He has rejected him as king. Man, it's time to move on. And I think that is a critical thing that a lot of leaders and churches need to really take to heart. And Because and, sometimes there's division. And instead of just being like, look, you know, we're not going to throw this person out. But at the same time, Saul, Saul is more worried about pride and position, whereas God has chosen someone else. It's time to move on. Absolutely. And, and Samuel is so stuck on that. And God's like, hey, how long are you going to mourn for this guy? It's time to continue forward. The work of God is still going to go on. And, and God, we see, was not derailed by Saul's failure. Right. Because the plan of God is going to continue forward. And so I think we'll pick up tomorrow and we'll be able to dive in a little bit more with the actual selection of David, what some of those qualities were, and the characteristics that are highlighted even in that initial selection process of the, the caliber of a man that David was throughout all of that. And so we hope that you'll tune in with us tomorrow. Thanks for joining us today, and have a blessed remainder of your day. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.